everybody welcome back to the one two kentucky blue podcast this is your host coach john spurlock thank you so much for tuning in today today our topic is going to be about how a majority of our staff has come from smaller division three colleges so for our undergrad we didn't go to giant universities like the university of kentucky we went to smaller schools like hanover college wisconsin oshkosh and it is something that is unique to our staff and we are able to take several of the lessons we've learned and apply it to our strength and conditioning program. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Knox, where did you go to school? Good old Emory. Emory and Henry College. Why is there two names? Two people founded it. Two people founded it. Were you a bigger fan of Emory or, <laughs> or, Henry. or Henry? Definitely, Definitely Henry. Henry. What sports did you play, Knox? Football and uh, baseball. All of them. You almost said basketball. I did almost say basketball. No. I wish it was basketball. Did you play all four years, both sports? No, I just played two years. Yeah, gotcha. Why'd you quit? Because I knew I wasn't going pro and I started working in strength conditioning. Gotcha. Well, you started working at athletic training first, didn't you? Yeah. And BMAC, you're the third person. Well, you're technically the fourth, but one of the people from Oshkosh didn't work out. They were with us for like a week. But you played basketball for one year or two years? One year. I had a couple knee surgeries in high school. Um, and then when I started my first year in college, I had a third knee injury. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'd rather walk the rest of my life than keep playing. So yeah. that's when I started working in the rec center. Was it ACLs? ACL in high school and meniscus, and then I was a week away from getting to play again, and I jumped over a little six-inch hurdle, and my kneecap broke. No. So I was out for a full year in high school, and then in college, it was my meniscus again, and that's when I was like, I don't want to go through this, so hung it up. Yeah. Uh, did you work with, is it Steve Brown? Is that the strength yeah. coach at Oshkosh? Did you work with him? I did. He okay. uh, he runs a phenomenal program. He had every single team train um you know had individualized programs for everyone it wasn't the same thing like we had an internship program where seniors got to help out with um his programs and implementation and then you had the freshmen come in and just observe it so you got to see what you were in for but looking back at how smoothly he ran that with as many teams as he had by himself i have so much respect for that man so and i I, it's been so long since bridget hamill has been in our program but i want to say he was her strength coach as well and i definitely know metzger uh, worked with him and that was his her strength coach at Oshkosh when she was a gymnast there but um, that kind of that this is one thing I had been thinking about where you know coming from smaller schools and I think Oshkosh and um, Central where D went was a lot different than Hanover because we really didn't have a strength program at Hanover my strength coach was his name is Dave Ebersbach he was also my position coach. He was my wide receivers coach. And then he also taught uh, some of the, the exercise science classes that I, I took as well. So him and I knew each other very well, but he, he, I mean, he was down in the weight room when we would work out and he would make sure we started on time, but like 
from a coaching standpoint, that wasn't really, you know, something that he, he could spend a lot of time doing was being down in the weight room. And I don't think he worked with the football team. Baseball players didn't have any structure. Basketball players didn't have any structure when it came to strength and conditioning. I think maybe the only other team that worked out was like volleyball and maybe women's tennis. But, you know, coming from that, for me specifically, I had no idea strength and conditioning was something that was a profession until I was a senior in college. So when people ask me what my story is and why I got into this profession, I, uh, when I was coming out of high school and going into college, I, I thought I wanted to be a police officer. I wanted to get into law enforcement. And I tell the story all the time that I took one class in, uh, in the criminal justice um, major that I was in at first. And I was like, nope. And it was on serial killers. It was a seminar class on serial killers. And I was like, this will be interesting. It it scared the hell out of me. Um, and I changed my major as quick as I could. Um, and then got into Hanover, didn't have exercise science at the time. It was just a physical education. I thought I wanted to be a football coach after that. Um, couldn't get into the teaching cohort because Hanover's academics was way over my head. So I think I needed a 3-0 to get into the teaching cohort. And I ended up getting like a 2-2 uh, after it was all said and done at Hanover. Um, but it wasn't until after it was during my senior year of football, ended up breaking my ankle um, and kind of having a lot of time on my hand because I couldn't practice. So I ended up researching and talking with my strength coach and my position coach. And he was like, you know what? You can get this certification in strength and conditioning. I was like, you can just be a strength coach. I thought you had to be a football coach and a teacher and X, Y, and Z. And from that point on, I spent my time um, studying for my classes a heck of a lot more once I broke my ankle. But then I was reading the NSCA essentials book and um, ended up, you know, passing that exam right out of college and um, getting internships after that. But I would, and I know, kind of like I was saying, like Steve Brown at Oshkosh is, has been there forever. And then at Central, D, they have a great strength program and they did when you were there, correct? Yeah. Um, so, you know, before I got there, I, I thought I was going to either go to Luther College, you know, for wrestling um, or northern iowa for wrestling and the biggest thing for me was like when i was looking at luther i was like the strength conditioning program they didn't really have one at the time it was kind of like where you were coming from spurlock um and that was my main goal you know like when i first started i, I started all out you know in my junior year in high school learning from tim o'neill who's now a power lift rep for the midwest region and he's the one that kind of got me steered toward you know central he's like hey look at central I hear that Jake Anderson, the head strength coach, you know, or the assistant strength coach from the University of Iowa is supposed to be going to Central. And uh, that's somebody that I wanted to follow, you know, being in that Chris Doyle um, realm and that group of people. So when, you know, when he came to Central my freshman year, I mean, he was, he went ground running, you know, and uh, as, a, as a staff, he got the, the internship program going. And before you know it, you know, we had, um, 15 interns under the program. So for four years, we were constantly running teams. Um, he started the program. And then once he felt like he could trust a couple people, then they would start running, you know, their own teams after that. So that's where I got the opportunity to work with, you know, women's basketball and, and women's soccer at the time. Um, 
So yeah. So did that happen when you were a senior that you got? Women's no, basketball? that was like um, my sophomore year, like you know the spring semester of my sophomore year, uh, just because you know he wanted to try to set me up before I went to Illinois State um, my sophomore summer. Uh, uh, gotcha. Touch low, and then um, for the previous year, he wanted to put a little bit more on my plate because he knew I was going to go to NDSU and work with Jim Kramer and um, that staff there. So. So you, this is one thing I forget about this with you, D, like when I, you know, obviously I, I just mentioned, I didn't realize I wanted to be a strength coach until it was my senior year of high school, ended up having a season ending um, injury. And then that's when things started flowing, but you had this planned out for quite yeah. a while. Yeah. That's awesome. When you were at that age, D, like when you first got team responsibilities was it kind of just to run the program or were you actually putting something down on paper and, and implementing it with them no so um we had to have it passed by coach a um, at the time but we were the one we, we were the ones writing the program implementing it um but it just had to be passed by him and the staff uh which we got the experience of you know having a ton of failure because he would look at it and and say this is garbage you know um, so where I grew probably the most as a strength coach is just, you know, failing through my programming projects. That's a, that's a great point. And I think that that's something that I experienced too. And I'm sure everyone else did being at a smaller school. Um, I was at a D3 school and my first, I wanted to be a physical therapist. So that was kind of my tract and how that works is you do three years as an undergrad and then you get accepted into the grad program. At, if you do it at the same school, three more years. So it's six years to get a doctorate. I did. I was going into my third year and you're starting to get ready for that professional part of it. So you get shadowing hours, you start, you know, meeting physical therapists, getting all that stuff put together. And that's when I realized I didn't want to be a, I wanted to be a strength coach. I didn't want to be a physical therapist. I had this idea that because I got injured in high school, I was a baseball pitcher. I tore part of my rotator cuff, did rehab, had the coolest PT ever. And then, uh, got to figure out what, oh, he doesn't work with athletes every single hour of the day. He works primarily with general population and just a little bit of athletes. So that's when I shifted, it was going into my junior year. Um, and then my senior year, I got my first opportunity to coach. It was a high school lacrosse team, a local high school lacrosse team. And I, I, the reason I asked that is I was going through my old stuff a couple of weeks ago and I found my old computer with my old files on it. And I looked at my first strength and conditioning program ever i did not have i've had taken classes but i did not have anyone certified looking over my shoulder saying hey this is a good idea hey maybe think through this and i i don't know i, I just into the fire i just laughed i just laughed you know it was it was great experience and i learned a lot and you know looking back i think my programs have changed drastically you know year by year and even looking at last year i still make changes and adjustments but it's been a long journey from uh, the D3. Well, one thing off of that, like, you know, my parents helped me, you know, through college and, and helping pay. Um, so my thought process was like, if I don't have a vision and I throw, you know, this degree away or this major away, I feel like I'm failing them. So like I, before I got into college, I had to have a vision of like, this is what I'm going to be, you know, just because I didn't want to let my parents down that were helping me out, you know, get through college. So I'm glad you had that vision D because I did not. I was <laughs> just an idiot, man. 
You know, I think back and all the stupid things I did and, you know, things that I, yeah, really just the stupid things that I did. I didn't take school seriously. Um, like the only thing I cared about, and one thing I just wrote down is Knox, as I asked him about, you know, his, you know, why'd you stop playing? And the same thing with BMAC because she got hurt. But like my identity was just a football player. I had no dreams or even thought that I could make it in the NFL. But at that moment, at that time, that's, that's all I identified as. I wasn't a student. I wasn't a brother. I wasn't a son. I, I was just a football player, and that's all I knew. And it, it, it took something like me snapping my ankle in half to kind of make the wheel start turning where, you know, you had the vision when you were a freshman or a sophomore, like this is what you wanted to do. You didn't want to waste your parents' money. You didn't want to throw this degree away. That didn't hit me until I was uh, 21 years old. BMAC, kind of talk with me about, and Knox, you jump in too. So as Wood's talking through, uh, you know, his program uh, when he first started, I do the same thing. But when I'm looking at it, it is 15 years ago. So I can see how my programming style and the way I uh, attack my job has changed over, you know, a decade and a half where you guys are Knox is 24 BMAC. How old are you? 25. Yeah. So you guys are much younger and have only been in this deal for a handful of years. How have you seen your program and your style of coaching change and even dive into like, um, that when I do look back at my programs, I can be like, ah, and like I said, my strength coach, we, we called him coach Ebes. I was like, that, that's Ebes coming out right there. That's where I got that from. That was definitely Ebes. And then I can think through my time at the University of Dayton. I'm like, oh, I got that from Toby. Like, when you guys look back, how much is it influenced by what you were exposed to at uh, the smaller schools that you went to? And how, how, what is your thought process when you look back at your old programs? Uh, for me, I didn't really start writing programs until I was at Iowa. Um, we did clinical experiences, so I had to get high school and college hours uh, when I was at Oshkosh, and so that was just coaching. We followed their program. We got to see a lot, which is really nice and helpful, but I didn't really touch a program outside of our programming design class uh, for the first, you know, three years of undergrad, and then when I finished that out at Iowa, they said, you know, we had to do a project, and they said, well, here's the spirit squad. So I had uh, one intern had dance, and I had cheer, and then we just got to write for them. Um, and looking at that, I had no idea. It was a lot of circuits. It was, you know, I just had no idea. Um, and that had a challenge too, because they didn't, you know, it's not like our cheer program here where they show up and it is mandatory and the coaches care. It was very much like you might have six kids one day, you might have one, you might not see them for four weeks. So um, didn't really know what I was doing, but it was at least a start of putting something on paper. Um, I mean, then if you look back there, like we did RPE at Iowa, we didn't really follow percentages. Um, it was a much different system than when I came here. So to look at the fact that four years ago, I didn't know how to use a percentage and really my programming knowledge, I knew of it, but I didn't really know how to do it. And now, you know, four years later, I'm a full-time on staff like that. That just kind of blows my mind and humbles me a lot, uh, especially for what you guys have done for me. But um, even throughout that time, like looking at my programming projects from the beginning and then um, even last year, my first year as a GA, it was, there's a lot, it's changed every single time. You know, you write a program and you look back a semester and you're like, what was I thinking? And there were a lot of moments on the floor where you get out there and you're like, oh no, this is all pushes right now. I have no pulls. So um, there were a lot of moments that it was just kind of like, ah, I should have changed that. 
Um, but then you just kind of adapt and you figure it out. And I'm sure that I'll look back in two years to where I am now and still be just as horrified, but um, you know, it's, it's grown and changing. <laughs> I think that's one thing that's really unique about our profession, and I, I'm sure it translates over um, um, with other professions as well, but no matter, Hanover was a great school. So you had to be super smart to do well at that school, and I was not, which is why I got a 2-2 GPA, but no matter how great the education is in strength and conditioning, you are not going to um, excel and become better as a strength coach unless you are on the floor coaching and or writing programs, modifying, adjusting, making the corrections with the things that didn't work out and gaining that experience. So Knox, you have been on our staff since summer 2018. You, you just finished up your first year in grad school. As you look back at your programs, what's the biggest thing that you think has changed and even talk about your, your um, how much you've grown on the floor as well as a coach. Yeah, I can definitely, until I got my new laptop, I would definitely go back and look at my old programs. And even now, even at the age of 24, it's like, what was I thinking two or three years ago? And I was lucky at Emory that we had a good internship program where it was phased out. So year one, it was kind of like you were just, watching other people coach, you were learning about strength conditioning and all of that. And then year two, you actually got to start programming. And where I was really good at that aspect was I wasn't necessarily learning things, but I was memorizing what the person in front of me was doing. So essentially after he told me like what I needed for certain sports, I wouldn't do a needs analysis or anything like that. I would just memorize exactly what he told me. So if he says, yeah, you need a lot of posterior chain, then I put a lot of posterior chain exercises in there. It was like, you need a lot of prehab exercises. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take this prehab exercise out and I'm going to put this prehab exercise in. And I just go back and look and it's like, I wasn't thinking about ratios. I wasn't thinking about what this sport needs or like what their demands are. I was just trying to make sure that I pleased like whatever that person was saying I needed to put in there. And then kind of like you mentioned before, like where you were influenced by other people. I remember after my internship at South Carolina, there were so many things and exercises I took from there that it was like I was just stuck and glued to those exercises every time I programmed. If it was for me, I put it in there. If it was for someone else, I made sure it was in there. If it was for a team, I tried to put it in there. And I just go back and think like, yeah, that's a great idea and in the concept of things. But it shouldn't be exactly how things are. And I should have definitely changed things up. But even since being here, like BMAC said, I feel like every semester I learned something new and it changes the way I program. How I was like doing my programming project when I first got here, it still makes me laugh and makes me think I'm silly for even programming that way compared to how I program now or even how I programmed for tennis or cheer last semester. It's like, what was I thinking? while I was programming for these guys. And it's like, I could have invested so much more time in making sure that this is exactly how I wanted versus just kind of like, okay, I have a general idea. Let me put this in there. Let me put this in there. So I think it's helped my growth substantially and I'm looking forward to even expanding on that this next year. One thing as you know, we're all talking through when we look back at our old programs and how, you know, 
you know, you look back and you're like, man, why did I do that? One thing that has been consistent with me ever since I started this, uh, this profession is when I do program something, it is either something I have already done myself or I, it's a new idea and I'm going to take myself through it. So I know exactly how uh, it feels. And I feel like that is um, something that is always on the forefront of our mind when we are coaching our young strength coaches, our interns through their programming project. It's like, okay, you have th this first set of six reps and their first percentage is 70%. You go get your 70% on the bar and do six reps of that and let us know how that feels. Um, so I'm interested to hear from you guys. And I'll start with Wood and then go to D. What is something, obviously when you look back, you're like, man, what was I thinking? But what is something that is still, uh, constant in your program that you had even years ago when you first started um it's a good question one thing that was a big part of our program at carroll or at least with the the coaches that i worked with was really having like the scientific background for it um kind of understanding not just like okay we're doing this exercise to get more powerful it's like okay here's why we're doing it with our feet on the ground here's why we're doing it rotationally or here's why we're doing it in certain ways knowing the why behind it um was definitely ingrained in me from a from a young really when i first got my coaching career started at carroll um at the high school and then at the d3 level was um that was really it having the why and knowing it and then from there like understanding basically how to take some information or maybe like observation from an athlete and then apply it right so taking information and applying it in that situation that was something that um was ingrained in me from a, a young age because you know every situation is different so um making sure that you know the why can also help you individualize or, or increase the specificity or give an athlete truly what they need because you understand you know, how the physiology is going to change, not just, hey, we're going to get more powerful. What do you think, D? Uh, the two things that have stayed in my program, if I look back in 2005 and six of my programs from Central to now is probably my GPP phase using my barbell complex that I do, usually the first two to three weeks uh, with all of my teams. Usually in the summer, I do that. Um, which my athletes are not too happy with me about, you know, when they go through those two or three weeks. But uh, the other thing would probably be, um, you know, my speed and agility, like my, just the running mechanics um, that has not changed. That's been a huge staple in my program since day one that I started at central uh, that was ingrained. I, we had a conversation on a zoom um, a couple weeks ago about, you know, what are you guys using for resources and, and speed and agility? And, you know, so many people were bringing up names, bringing up names, but then, you know, the old school coaches come up and it's all about keeping it simple. You know, you got to be able to master your arm action, your leg action, your running mechanics to, a, to the fullest um, before you start moving in and trying to learn other things and get fancy with it. So those are the two things for me that, that, that have not changed, you know, from central to now. So we wanted to have this conversation and Wood actually brought up the topic is that, all five of us come from very humble beginnings. And what, what I mean is that we weren't division one athletes. We weren't at large universities. It was smaller schools. It was, um, you know, being a D3 athlete, you're 
you're pretty much paying to play because you your tuition is skyrocket high. It's super high. Uh, there's no accolades. The the equipment, the facilities that you're playing in are probably um, at the same or worse than your high schools um, that you that you just graduated from. So. I think that's something unique about our staff is that we all come from that, that small school beginning. And the one thing I think about that sticks out is it plays into our favor because I believe we are great stewards of what we have been given. And I know that's much appreciated by our administration. Um, but we take great pride in making sure our facility is clean. We, we aren't, um, we aren't buying equipment just to buy equipment. We want to make sure it has multiple uses. But BMAC, I'll start with you. Like, where do you think, obviously there's going to be some, a uh, little bit of downfall of not having that, um, that education from a large university and maybe having those network connections that somebody else might have if they did play a division one sport and uh, their coaches have great reach all around the country and can, put you into places uh, and I'll give you an example that I was on a alumni phone call with Craig Skinner and some volleyball alumni a couple of days ago and all of the alumni were able to say I am at my job now because Craig Skinner helped me get to where I am because Craig knows so many people and that's one thing you don't get from a small division three school but there are a lot of pros to it. BMAC what do you think some of the pros are? Um, I think the relationship with the people that I was around. So there are times I, I've struggled with in the beginning of college, like, you know, should I have gone to a big school? I'm missing out on that. My sister went to Illinois and like, we'd go see her giant football games and those resources. And I was like, did I make a mistake? But I know my professors, like I'm still Facebook friends with them the other day. They comment on the things that I post. Um, I actually talked to one the other day when I posted that I graduated and he was, you know, commenting with me. And I remember we got in his minivan, the minivan that was falling apart. And like, if you turn too fast, part of the wheel would roll off away and we would drive to Kekana, Wisconsin. And we would go in there and train their high school kids for like four or five hours and then come on back. And the conversations we had in there, I remember he would tell me about the other students that had gone to Kentucky and he'd tell me about how they made it. And he was like, I know that you're going to be one that makes it. He's like, I just have a feeling. And um, I held on to that forever. When there were times where I, it like wasn't looking favorable or I was struggling, I just remembered Professor Williams saying, you know, I know you're going to make it. So I think the relationships that I got with that are unique. Um, you're going to have small classes, you know, as you get more specified into your degree anywhere. But that was kind of a family. It was an Oshkosh family. And I think that, um, you know, if you talk to somebody that goes to Kentucky, you're going to have a very large amount of people that goes to Kentucky, but it's like, yeah, go cats. And then you move on. Whereas with Oshkosh, if I see someone that knows Oshkosh, it's like that much stronger of a connection. Um, and I think it allowed me to have a few more individual opportunities like that too. So, um, you know, I was able to be down there in there with the college athletes and working with them um, multiple times a week. And if I wanted more, I could go in there. I was able to get several different high schools and learn that way. Um, I, it just kind of set me up for a little bit more like one-on-one -on -one attention and instruction. Um, and I think that those are still people that have helped me and that if I, you know, ever needed to, like I still talked to coach Brown last week, um, you know, I, I think it's really the relationships and they might not have had as big of a network as say, like we get from Kentucky with as big of a name on the paper, but that doesn't mean that the education that I got or the experiences I got were any less than the big school name. Um, and I think that took me a little while to learn, but now that I'm at a big school, I understand and, and appreciate Oshkosh that much more. 
Yeah. D, what do you think? Um, I was going to go off of that with BMAC. I think if you compare it, I think it's like, you know, I grew up in a town of 700 people. So everybody knew everything about what was going on in the town. So when you go to a smaller, you know, private division three school, you know, yeah, you're, you're graduating with 500 instead of, you know, 80 or 90 in your class. But, it, you know, that's not any comparison to like the University of Kentucky where, you know, you're graduating with thousands. Um, so I think those people always have a backing for you. Like since I've left, like the, you know, the communication that I've had with my old wrestling coach, um, I've communicated with the new strength coach there now at Central just because, you know, he worked under Coach A um, and his assistant when I had left. Um, and then some of the professors, like even my advisor, Leslie Dunnick, like, you know, she checks in on me and it, which is crazy. I mean, like this is, we're talking, I graduated in uh, 2007. So um, I think it's just this, the small town feel of every, everybody has a backing for you. And, and going through that internship program there, you know, if you made it through, we all back each other in across the country. Um, if something comes up or you need help or you lose a job, all those 15 interns that you graduated with are pulling for you or are calling for you and, and trying to get you a job. Um, and, and I stay in contact with probably four or five of the guys that I graduated with. Um, but so I, I'm proud just to say that it's that small knit community that everybody pulls for each other. I think that's the pro from going to division three level. You know, one thing I, people always ask me about Hanover and what it was like. So how many people were in your town D 700, 700. So yeah. I, my graduating class in Fairfield, Ohio was like 800 students. So I graduated, just graduated with 800, yeah. 100 people. And then I went to Hanover and the entire enrollment at Hanover uh, was right around a thousand. So it was going from, I mean, Fairfield's not a giant metropolis, but it's, it's obviously a, um, bigger school district, but going from graduating with 800 people to a school of 1000 people. And if you've ever been to Hanover, Indiana, you probably don't want to go back because there's nothing there. So everybody was on campus. And I think the campus is like 600 acres. It overlooks the Ohio river. So super gorgeous. But you know, one thing I took away from Hanover, kind of like both of you were talking about was that personal connection. Uh, everybody knew each other, which was a pro sometimes and a con sometimes. But you know, the big thing at Hanover is everybody would open the door for whoever was about to walk into the building. So if I was about to go in first, I would open the door, let somebody else go by, say hello. You never locked your dorm room doors. It was always open. Uh, I don't even think you needed a key to actually get into the, the dorms. It was just always propped open, mainly because there was no air conditioning. So you wanted to keep that airflow. Um, but it's, it was that vibe that drew me to that school. Um, and, you know, one thing I'm thinking through is Central's in Iowa, correct, D? Yeah, and, and then Pella. Pella, Iowa. Then Carroll, is that Wisconsin, Wood? Yeah, uh, outside Milwaukee. Outside Milwaukee, BMAX, Wisconsin as well. Um, Knox, is it Virginia? Virginia. So we're all kind of in the same, you know, third of the country. And I know there are some smaller division three schools uh, as you get towards like uh, even more of the Southeast and in the South, like in Texas, but uh, you know, Wood brought up this conversation and it's something I really didn't think about. And Dee and I have talked about it a ton where I feel like we excel in certain areas because of our background of going to smaller schools. Um, 
But then when Wood came on board and then BMAC was hired on and Knox coming from a smaller school as well, I think it it's it just makes us uh, so unique in terms of the makeup of our staff. Um, next thing I wanted to jump into, and you know, I mentioned it earlier that I I identified myself as a football player throughout high school, throughout college. Knew I wasn't going to play football professionally, but I wanted to go from, you know, playing football to coaching football. And it wasn't until I realized you could be a strength coach that um, my wheels started turning and I started changing my career path. Um, but obviously now, uh, and as I was getting out of undergrad, I wanted to be a football strength coach. And that changed very quickly. Um, for me, it was getting that first internship out of Hanover at Duke University, working with the Olympic sports, going on to the University of Dayton. After that, I was able to work with football at Dayton, but Dayton is a Division I non-scholarship school. So it was almost like I was uh, working with a Division Three program, which I loved. And obviously, ever since I've been at Kentucky, Olympic sports is, you know, where my career has gone. Uh, D, I'll start with you because obviously you started in football. Th what was your thought process getting out of uh, Central when you had a ton of experience at, with internships in your undergrad? Did you think about, hey, I want to be a football strength coach? Did you kind of want to hit with all sports? You were a wrestler. Did you ever just want to be a wrestling strength coach? Where was your mind at with that? The the whole time that I was going through, I thought that I was going to be a football strength coach throughout Central just because my internships, like you know, I worked with football at Central. I, you know, I worked with football at Illinois State. I worked with football at NDSU uh, during my time. But then when you come to it and you're looking for a job and you're coming from a small Division three school and, and you're looking at Division one level, you know, you're just happy to get on the Olympic side or the football side. Um, so when I started applying for jobs, you know, I first applied for Southern Illinois. Um, that was a full-time job out of college that, you know, I ended up not taking and I ended up taking the, the spot at Kentucky to work with Mark Hill with football. Um, and that just kind of like fell into my lap, you know, as you know, luck happened through that entire deal. You know, I applied for the Olympic side and, and all of a sudden it was like, you know, I was getting interviewing on the football side and before you know it, a week later, I'm getting a call. Um, so to think that, you know, I was going to be a football strength coach. I, I did through central, but then when you get to the end of your senior year and you go through the spring semester, you're like, well, whatever pops up, like I, I got to get started somewhere. So that's kind of where my thought process was. What about you, Wood? So I only play, I played football my freshman year of high school and then kind of got out of it. Uh, I was, I played hockey and lacrosse. What, what position did you play in football? I was a halfback. Oh, I bet you were. I, was a, I actually was pretty quick, but I was, I mean, I was so fast. I was the same size. I haven't grown since eighth grade. So I was a, I was a powerhouse. <laughs> But so I didn't, I, I never really wanted, I never had the desire to like get into football specifically. I think Olympic sports were really my passion. I, I played high school lacrosse. Um, I played hockey, didn't play all the way through high school, but those are my real two passions in sports. Um, and so, you know, my first opportunity to coach was I was an assistant or I was the offensive coordinator of a high school lacrosse team. And then from there, just loved I was exercise science loved the work the training and the strength and conditioning and that's really what what got me into it um I started working with a lot of female athletes at that time too which is something that I really enjoyed um when, by the time I left Carroll I was 
um, working with, you know, volleyball, with women's basketball, running their program um, and getting to assist with a lot of our other smaller female teams like soccer um, and still, you know, around high school lacrosse, being that I was at a smaller school with um, a lot more open openness and openings and things like that. So I was always on the Olympic side. We had, I assisted with football when I was at Carroll, but that we had some people in our program that were former football players that that was their passion and that was the direction they wanted to go into. So I kind of stepped back and just assisted with those teams and got my hands dirty with a lot of other Olympic sports. So that's something that, you know, I should mention is that, you know, nowadays and i don't really think it was when i was getting into this deal 15 years ago that you really had to have a direction so you know at the university of dayton uh toby was the only strength coach and he ran everything and then you know whether it was football um he had you know interns like myself that were helping out with some of the smaller teams but it was under one umbrella at Duke. It was very similar to how we had had have had it at Kentucky for forever, where men's basketball is on their own island, football has their their gig, and then Olympic sports is their own staff and own department. Um, but BMAC, as you got into this field as a female, did you ever think about, hey, football is where I want to be, or has it always been, you know, just Olympic sports in general? What was your thought? I wanted to own my own private uh, facility. So when I was in high school, I played travel basketball. And one of my coaches was like, hey, I have this buddy from high school that's got a gym. So I started going there and training regularly. And I fell in love with it. Um, I was kind of at a hurdle where, like, my high school coach wasn't moving me up to varsity yet, even though I was playing a lot and I was kind of deserving of it. And so I just started working as hard as I could. I went there six days a week um, and just fell in love with it. And uh, kind of that was my escape from home too at the time so I that surrounded everything so that's why I was especially crushed when at the end of that I worked so hard I was ready to get that spot my coach was like you're getting the spot and then a week before the season started my ACL tour um so with that then I, I still kept going to that gym and uh that the owner of the gym was kind of my rock at the time he got me through a lot of stuff I was going through but he was like keep coming on we'll work on your weaknesses we'll get your upper body stronger we'll work on your handles we'll do whatever we need to do um, and it was when I was there that I started watching how they trained everybody else around me. They trained the, you know, boot camps of mixed age groups. They trained people one-on-one. -on -one. They trained, you know, athlete groups because you would just show up and there'd be, I'd be in there with a, you know, a couple guys that went D1 for basketball, a couple baseball guys, and maybe a football guy. And we'd all go through the similar stuff. So that was kind of where my mind was at at first. And I was thinking, you know, I want to be this guy. He was my idol. Um, and, and that's kind of what taught me kinesiology because prior to that injury, I was still kind of thinking marine biology, move to Florida and, and hang out with dolphins. So um, once I got into that and started to see that, that's when I fell in love with it. And um, there wasn't a time once I got to Oshkosh and I started to see that there was a college system and what that was like and how organized that was. That's when I really started to, to love that in that environment. Um, I was very quiet in undergrad. And before I got, I think I've opened up a lot more to Kentucky than I ever imagined I could. Um, so there was never a moment that I saw myself in football. Um, I think that now, like, I've gained a lot more confidence on the floor and a lot more of a voice. So, like, when I had men's cheer, they're kind of run football-esque. Um, and there was a time where I was like, you know what, if I had a job where I had to help out with this, like, I, I could do it. Um, but in undergrad and, and early coming up, I was way too quiet, way too reserved. I would have not been able to hold my own. Something I often forget about, and obviously I didn't mention it, but 
one of my first experiences in strength and conditioning outside of what I got at Hanover was directly after um, at a private facility in Cincinnati where all they did, their main source of income was getting NFL players ready for the combine. It was partly owned by Anthony Munoz, who's a Hall of Fame offensive lineman that used to play for the Bengals. Um, and then as I was watching uh, these two strength coaches, one was a, uh, you know, a football strength coach. The other guy was a speed agility plyometric guy. As I was watching them work together, I was like, yes, this is maybe this is where I want to be. Um, you know, I was learning all the tricks to, you know, how to get somebody a split second faster on the uh, 40 yard dash, how to maybe cheat the vertical jump test a little bit. Um, and I was like, man, they're making really good money working with these, uh, you know, elite athletes. Uh, so I often forget that that was one of my first expo exposures. And uh, not only did I think I wanted to be a football strength coach, but there was a point where I was like, maybe I own my own facility. Maybe I just work with NFL players and get them ready for the combine. But Knox, as you were getting out of undergrad, what, what, where was your mind? What did you ever think Olympic sports is exactly what I want? Did you have football in mind? Did you maybe not know? I would say I would definitely be in between, and I didn't really know. I had worked with mostly football just because I'd been around it in undergrad, and then I'd worked with football at South Carolina, and I had kind of leaned more towards the football side. But then when I started applying for internships, I was really looking for a graduate assistantship but then I found the internship at Kentucky and when you talked me through how the whole opportunity worked and it would be you intern for the year and then you can possibly or you intern for the summer and then you can possibly get a graduate assistantship I was kind of like okay well let me see what I should do talk to people around me talk to like those who I trust to give me advice and all of them were just saying listen if you even want to get back in football that's not out of the realm of possibilities just because you go the Olympic sports side and you probably should just get as much experience as possible because up until that point I had programmed for football and women's soccer and if I hadn't taken the internship with you all then I probably would still only know how to program for football and women's soccer and wouldn't be anywhere where I am today so their biggest thing was just make sure you get experience and then if you want to go back then absolutely or even if if it's the possibility of where you can work with Olympic sports and assist with football or something like that. It's not just once you go Olympic sports, you're out of football or vice versa. You know, there is a point where, you know, if I wanted to apply for a football strength and conditioning job, it would probably be really hard for me to get it. Um, just because last time I was working with a football team was probably before D got to Kentucky, which was maybe my second semester at UK where I helped with the off-season program um, um, for for one semester and D I'm going to ask you this question because sometimes we're trying to help some young strength coaches you know get to where they need to be in their career and as we're interviewing uh, for our summer internship positions and we ask people hey what's your long-term goal um, in strength and conditioning, some of them might say, even though they're applying for an Olympic sports internship position, they'd be like, I want to be a football head football strength coach one day. And that kind of raises a red flag in our mind because uh, we don't know if we can help them get there. And D, I'm going to ask you, what do you think is harder? If you start off in the Olympic route and try to move in the football, is that harder or is it harder to go the football route and move to the Olympic side? 
it's a, I would say it's a lot harder if you were going from the Olympic side to football. Um, by, I mean, it's not even close. You know, I think that it'd be, you know, somebody wants an, an, a, an aggressive figure as a strength coach. And I think that you build that up through football um, and you have a sense about you by, just by the, the way that you look and the way that you present yourself. It's just that kind of that football demeanor. Um, you know, from, from me going from football to going to the Olympic side, like, you know, I had to change my demeanor when I came over the Olympic side to work with, you know, all the athletes instead of just football players, you know, it's more rah, rah over there. Um, and coaching, you know, where, you know, you've got to have those side conversations with student athletes on the side, on the Olympic side. Um, it's a lot, it's a lot different than, you know, with the culture. Um, so to say, you know, I, I couldn't imagine going from the Olympic side for your entire career and then trying to get into football. It's, it's not going to happen. It yeah. isn't just because of the experience. I think I would agree. And not saying that it would be easy to go from the football side to the Olympic side. And I don't hear it as much nowadays, but I, I can think back to when Johan Sedergren first came on board for our men's soccer program one of the first things I remember him and I talked about that he was happy is like I'm using air quotes now but I wasn't a football strength coach trying to be the strength coach for our men's soccer team and I remember the conversation I had with him I was like well actually I played football I love the sport of football and it, but it's more of the mentality and I think that's what a lot of head coaches get worried about is and I don't care if you're the women's golf team or men's soccer team or a volleyball team the head coaches are worried about that they have a football strength coaches strength coach trying to coach their specific sport not saying it can't be done but there is a lot of stigma that circle circles around the football strength coach mentality just like D was mentioning where it's a lot of hoorah screaming in your face um when you know D mentioned that on the Olympic side, you know, there's a lot more emotion. I wouldn't say emotions, but the dynamics are different. Uh, you know, our, even though it's the same sport, our women's soccer team isn't the same as the men's soccer team. And when I was training both of those groups, we would, the program was similar, but the way I administered it was much different. Um, just because, you know, how the women's soccer coach, uh, develop that team culture and the way um, he addressed his athletes was much different than the men's side, not for good or bad. It was just different. So I had to make those modifications in the weight room, but guys, I think this has been an awesome conversation. And I think, like I mentioned before, it's something unique that our staff um, has where almost all of us come from division three, smaller colleges and one thing I think is super important, you guys know this, is when we are um, looking at resumes for our summer internships, one of the biggest things I look for is, is this person a former athlete? And whether it's at the Division I, NAIA, Division Three, really doesn't matter to me. But it's just knowing that they have the experience of understanding what our student athletes um, go through on a day-to-day -day basis, I think is invaluable in our profession. But I appreciate you guys being on the podcast today. Um, hopefully we can have more conversations like this. Thank you everybody for listening and go Cats.